Welcome to the Apartment Investor Show, where we help you get smart and invest smarter in multifamily real estate. I'm your host, JC Castillo, founder and managing principal of the Multifamily Property Group. And joining me as always is my good buddy, my co-host, Mr. Paul Peebles, national underwriter for Old Capital Lending. Paulie, how are you doing today? I'm great, JC. I'm hanging out here at the house. I got kicked out of my office, got kicked out of my conference room. So we had to find a place to uh, do the podcast. So I went back to my office at the house. So I'm hanging with you at the house. Well, if the dogs bark, we'll try to ignore it. We'll keep on going, trucking right through it. Let's keep going. So I'm excited about today's show. And I want you to, uh, you can't introduce our guest. It's a guy that we've known for a long period of time. Uh, we put a lot of value in the information that he talks about. And uh, we, we like him as a, as, as a guy. So uh, introduce our, our buddy. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're today we are, we've got a great guest today, you know, Polly, we're talking to Mr. David Kahn, who is a managing analyst at CoStar. And I'm going to give you the background on this guy, but today we're going to talk about, and I'm excited about today, folks, you're going to want to tune in. Today we're going to do the battle of the major metros, okay? A lot of people out there ask us all the time, hey, and there's a lot of talking heads that want to talk about what's the best market to be in, Polly. Well, today we're going to do a battle of the metros and we're going to talk about Atlanta versus Dallas. We're going to see who's on top and who's not. We're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of those two fabulously great markets. And David Kahn is the perfect person to talk about those markets, Polly. Let me give you a little bit of background on, on Mr. Kahn here. He's been six years uh, with CoStar. And actually, he couldn't be more perfect for this battle of the major metros because he spent four years as an analyst uh, on the Dallas-Fort Worth metro. And he's also spent two years uh, covering the Atlanta metro. And in addition to that, I believe he actually lives uh, and is based in Atlanta. So, um, I mean, it doesn't get any more perfect than having a guy like David who's going to cut through all of the opinions and give you the facts on what is so great about these markets and which one, in his opinion, is going to come out on top and which one has pluses and minuses. So without any further ado, David Kahn, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us, and we are happy to have you here. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be on the show. So David won't tell you, but I'll tell you that uh, he went to a little university on the East Coast that uh, – uh, he was on a, what, a baseball scholarship, but, or did you actually get it in, in academics? Uh, it was a little bit of both, but um, baseball definitely played a bit of a role. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you go to college at? I went to Johns Hopkins. Yeah, one of the best universities in the country, especially wow. for uh, accounting, finance, economics, all those things that have to do with business. So Dave will be known for a long period of time. Again, he used to cover – Dallas exclusively. Now he covers kind of the, the Southeast and some of these largest metro markets across the United States. He's based out of Atlanta. You can't have a better source within David and especially with the backing of CoStar too. So they have all the information that you need to know about what's going on. They don't have a dog in the hunt. They're not promoting a certain area of the country. They're just giving you the, the raw black and white numbers. So we look forward to having David on the, on, on the show a little bit today. Well, David, let's get down right to it, David. Let's talk about, uh, let's start with the uh, overall uh, opinion or based on your, your analysis of the two markets. Um, let's, let's start from there and take it, take, it, take it from there. So starting with uh, Atlanta, Atlanta was your prototypical housing bust market, really overbuilt, especially in the single family sense uh, in the previous building cycle and has gotten 
or, or received kind of a bad rap for that. Um, I think that developers have been a little bit gun shy in, in returning to Atlanta when it comes to just overall development. So this cycle, or at least really in the past few years, Atlanta has not built as much inventory as your other fast growing markets as a percent of inventory. And due to that, rent growth has consistently outperformed the US average. So we're talking rent growth in the four or 5% for the market as a whole, for your B and C class, five, six, 7% in some cases, um, which, is, which is really exceptional. So Atlanta has been an outperformer in recent years. And, and a lot of that is due to the, the more muted supply pipeline compared to historical norms. Of course, the job growth in Atlanta has been strong. A lot of technology focused jobs uh, for that A-class demand and still a substantial amount of industrial jobs, similar to Dallas with the distribution network here, uh, adding to that B and C-class demand. David, where do you see, uh, you know, I, I think Atlanta obviously has had phenomenal uh, rent growth historically over the last several years. Where do you sort of forecast the rent growth going, given the limited supply that you talked about, uh, maybe over the next couple of years, if you can comment on that? Definitely. One thing in Atlanta that uh, I definitely want to mention, and it's, it's the case in Dallas too, is seasonality plays a really big impact um, in these two markets. People move when you have a market where a lot of people physically are moving there, a lot of in-migration. They typically like to move in the early months of the year through Q3, and you don't see rank growth from starting around now through the end of the year. So, don't expect a lot of rent growth in the next few months, but over the next year, 2020, it's still looking relatively strong. We project Atlanta to outperform the U.S. in terms of rent growth. Of course, everyone and, and what our economic projections show is slowing job growth across the board throughout the U.S. in 2020 through 2021. So we're pretty much beholden to an overall slowdown. That said, Rank growth in Atlanta is projected to outperform the U.S. average, partially because of better than average job growth and slightly below average to average supply additions. So let's switch over to to Dallas, uh, David. Sort of the same overall, uh, uh, you know, concept here. What what do, what do you see? What do you see happening in the Dallas market right now? Dallas continues to build, continues to build single family and multifamily. So the supply has been there, but when you're adding 130, 140, 150,000 people a year, the demand has been, has been there. Um, the lease up has been strong enough, especially in some of your high demand areas like Plano Frisco and then in the urban locales down uh, around the CBD. And the market has been quite resilient um, in my view. So rent growth remaining above that 2% threshold and actually accelerating in recent months, year over year. So it's around 3% right now. You know, no one expected to see that back in 2016 and 2017 when we were facing this massive wave of supply. Everyone was projecting, including us, uh, a slowdown in rent growth. And really it stayed relatively strong at 25 to 3% over the past few years. So strong performer. Um, buoyed by that three, uh, the, the two star or the C-class C and the B-class apartments and all that industrial demand, but also the A-class has held up relatively well um, compared to especially some 
fast growing smaller markets like in Austin or in Nashville, which really hurt were hurt in that A class a few years ago. So talk talk to me a little bit about um, you know the slowdown that is to be expected. I mean, I don't know where CoStar and your group has it at, but uh, it feels like we're in a recession. Uh, maybe it's the beginning of it. Maybe it's uh, it hasn't come. But we've had a you know I think we've gone from a, a green solid light to a little bit of a flashing yellow light. A little bit to be be careful of is that not only have we seen interest rates be in flux but we've also seen Fannie and Freddie kind of pull back a little bit about what they're doing. So what is kind of your analysis of the economy and actually the capital markets too? Definitely. And I did see your post on that um, the other day and it definitely made me think as well and started to make me think about that overall. I do see just overall um, a lot more uncertainty now than at this point last year for sure. At this point last year, we were still feeling the effects of, of the tax break, the tax reform, and that's that's petered off at this point. So we don't have that that sugar high, as many economists put it, to to boost demand or to boost investment um, when it comes to um, job growth or just overall GDP growth. That said, you don't want to bring up the R word just yet. Growth is still steady, um, hasn't gone negative, hasn't really been flashing tremendous warning signs you know you could talk about the inversion of the yield curve a couple of warning signs looking forward but nothing imminent that would seem to plunge us into into an actual recession more like a gradual slowdown and with that gradual slowdown being just a slowdown in hiring part of the reason for that as well is um, just the, the overall unemployment rate is, has been at record lows for, for the past few quarters, really for a few years now. And when you have unemployment below 4% for this long, you start to run out of people. Um, and, and so when it comes to job growth, hiring, and then translating that to demand for housing and apartment demand, you know, there's definitely people who um, would project a slowdown in terms of that demand growth that we've seen. Now, I'm sorry, to the oh, other, um, we continue to bring people back into the labor force. And if you start to see wage growth pick up, like we've talked about, and we've, we've started to see that a little bit more recently, um, that could be your, your demand silver bullet, if you will. But, um, you know, that, that remains to be seen. And the overall projections are for, for a gradual slowdown over the next few years. So we did a podcast with JC and I back about a month ago, and we talked a bit about the, you know, the five biggest markets of rank growth in the United States. Uh, one was Las Vegas, and I think number two was uh, uh, Atlanta and Phoenix and those areas. So this is kind of along those, those lines. But uh, who's moving to these areas? Is it organic growth that's getting renters into these properties, or are we just sucking people in from the Northeast uh, and from the central parts of the United States that are moving down to Dallas or moving into Atlanta? What's our, what's our growth generator? Where's, that, where's all that stuff coming from? It's a substantial amount of in-migration, net migration from your more expensive coastal metros. Um, and a lot of that is in your, your A-class or, or you know, your, your renter by choice, so your high-earning office employee who's making the six figures who can afford that in-town 
class A apartments, but a lot of it's also for people who are just priced out of the workforce housing in the East Coast and the West Coast as well, and migrating to lower cost states like Texas, like Tennessee, like Georgia. So I think that kind of gets lost in the in the mix a little bit because people focus a lot on that high-end supply and where are these renters, high-end renters coming from? Well, they are coming from New York. They're they're coming from LA, San Francisco to rent those class A apartments. But Texas's immigration from Southern California, Northern California has been tremendous for, for decades. And that is boosting a lot of demand in that B and C class, your workforce housing. Um, and, and providing those jobs for industrial facilities that need to staff their warehouses. I think, you know, speaking of that workforce housing, right, I mean, we really focus this show around the value add sort of, you know, B and C space, right? We don't, we don't have a lot of listeners out there that are going and buying brand new A class product, but we do have a lot of people out there that are buying and investing in these B and C class, this B and class product, you know, on the workforce housing front, where do you see the affordability constraints uh, potentially kicking in or not kicking in? Do you see any sort of uh, uh, data that's letting you know that these uh, folks where we haven't seen, you know, exceptional wage growth over the last several years are starting to hit the limit of what they can really afford um, for these, these, these B and C class products? Absolutely. And, and what, the way I put it for Dallas and Atlanta, or really the entire Southeast in general, is um, we are the release valve. You don't have the same combination of jobs and job growth and job availabilities in some of your tier three markets that you know you think a really small metro, um, you know, like a Dothan, Alabama, or just throw out any 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 tiny metro or Waco or, you know, what have you, um, you don't have the amount of job availabilities. Okay, they might be a little bit more affordable, but people aren't going to flock to those areas because they just don't have jobs. So Dallas and Atlanta, we still have that affordability advantage, and we're adding a lot of jobs and have a lot of job availability. So it's that sweet spot. Um, that said, it is concerning when you see 5 6% rank growth every single year and people getting priced out. Um, what we've seen, at least in, in Dallas and Atlanta, is migration from your more typical workforce housing type submarkets that are that are getting gentrified. So like an Oak Cliff, um, which is traditionally very affordable near downtown with all those office jobs, that's being gentrified and people are being pushed further south. In Atlanta, you're seeing that in areas around Grant Park, for example, or in East Atlanta, traditionally more affordable areas being gentrified right now, especially along the Beltline as well, and pushing people out to your more typical, like a South Fulton or a Clayton County, for example, in Atlanta, which traditionally are not well-regarded markets. Now those submarkets are starting to take advantage and do the value adds as well and, and boot rents, but that's more of that uh, migrating South or further out, for example, less so to a different metro, more to just the outskirts of the same metro. Yeah, that, that, makes, a, that makes a lot of sense. So if, as these folks are moving out to these sort of uh, periphery edges of the metros, um, can, you, can you tell us for our viewers out there, what, what in your opinion, you know, kind of being an expert in both markets, what are some of these 
areas or these fringes that you're 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 seeing the migration happening and areas that you're you're liking in terms of uh, places to look at for investors that are looking for good good sub markets within those major metros Atlanta and Dallas the great combo there is looking for the industrial jobs um, and in particular just industrial deliveries in a specific area so when you look at that and you see where are the jobs going well in Dallas South Dallas traditionally not the greatest submarket um, you know when it comes to demographics but when you're adding tens of thousands of industrial jobs with people being paid 12 to 20 dollars an hour that's your rental demand right there and you could push rents at a pretty accelerated pace similar um, in atlanta south atlanta the airport industrial district um, douglasville douglas county which is west along i-20 the stone mountain area is getting amazon and they're going to be building out a huge facility in that area um, over the next few years that's traditionally affordable and you know right has great access to to the in-town market so um, these traditionally maybe not the most desirable areas as, as an investor are starting to become a little bit more looked at by institutions or you know just individuals looking for yields and it, it's it's paid off for a lot of investors recently so David, let's talk about arm wrestling. You are Atlanta. I'm Dallas. And now we're going to get together and arm wrestle back and forth. We're, who's going to win that game? That match? Um, it, it's very difficult. Two great markets, and there's, there's a lot to like about both. Um, the way I like to look at Dallas versus Atlanta is where's your risk tolerance? Is it in the supply side? Are you more worried about oversupply or are you more worried about the demand side and, and job growth? So for the supply side, Dallas has and, and should continue to build more, more as a percent of inventory and more nominally. And that's both on the single family and the multifamily. Um, and, and in Dallas, we build, you know, developers build everywhere. Um, there's not just one specific area where you're building. It's north, south, east, west, it's everywhere. Atlanta, a little bit more supply constraint, a little bit more nimbyism, a little bit more geographical constraints with all the hills and rivers and um, everything there. So less of a supply concern, but from a demand perspective, the infrastructure issues in Atlanta are more acute than they are in Dallas. Traffic is, is objectively worse in Atlanta. Um, public transit is actually relatively strong in Atlanta, but um, you know, in terms of spreading out like Dallas can and build another beltway um, or another highway loop, and Dallas has done that for years and years, Atlanta really doesn't have that option. Um, so when it comes to the demand side, Atlanta is more likely to slow and it has slowed in terms of job growth, but it's a little bit more less of a risk in terms of the supply side. Um, so it really depends on that risk tolerance. Um, it's just really difficult for me. Even though I live here, Dallas, you're adding 130,000 people a year and 110, uh, 110 120,000 jobs. Um, I just love that demand picture uh, from, from an economist perspective. All right, you heard it. You heard it from David. You heard it from David. Dallas is the 
a strong arm guy in the United States. Just by but, a slight margin, but Atlanta, from, from what we can understand from David, is, uh, is right there. It's right there. It is. So we like, uh, we like both those, those two areas. In we fact, do. We're just, we're just about to do another loan in Atlanta. So we, we see the strong growth of Atlanta and some of the areas around Atlanta. What's your next favorite area that, that say that you cover just for some inside information? What, what do you think? You can, you can just whisper. <laughs> really, really quiet with this one. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you a couple. Um, I, I really do love Nashville. It, ha it has a lot of the same uh, benefits as in Austin, for example, um, yep. smaller market got oversupplied. It really did get oversupplied in, in the 2016, 2017 boom, but all these jobs from Amazon and um, Alliance Bernstein, just a ton of office jobs coming to that market, um, as well as a, a reasonably strong industrial sector as well with all the manufacturing and the car companies there. Good base of demand. Um, doesn't have a lot of that older stock. Um, much of the stock is newer, but the demand profile there is, is just outstanding. The airport there is also getting uh, consistently filled out. And, and when you add that type of amenity, you start to see more corporations moving to the area, feeling more comfortable with it. Um, so, so I love Nashville. And, and I really like some of the Alabama markets right now. Um, Huntsville, if you look that up, it's one of the top rent growth markets. If you go to that kind of tier two metros, um, a million, 500,000 to a million people, uh, I think Huntsville's up to five, 6% rent growth. So you obviously have the aerospace and defense there, but uh, I think what you're starting to see in some of these markets is some people are getting priced out of the bigger markets. Um, maybe not to the same extent that it would be this huge net migration loss, but um, you know, a Huntsville can take advantage of affordability concerns in Atlanta or Nashville um, while still maintaining you know, some, some desirability as well. Um, Birmingham has also seen pretty strong performance recently and, and some urban revitalization, which is exciting for that market. Um, and, then, and then Savannah is, is really a wait and see for me because they are building a lot of, of multifamily supply there. A lot of it is, is workforce housing, hmm. but the Port of Savannah is uh, projected to increase its TEU shipments by double in the next 10 years. And the industrial sector there is set to boom. So if those projections hold true, if, if we don't have a trade war or trade doesn't become a concern, um, you know, the, the Port of Savannah with the dredging going on there and the post-Panamax ships that can now be routed through there could really create strong housing demand for, for that workforce housing um, in that market. That's great. So we've heard from David about Atlanta, and we've heard about uh, Dallas, and we've heard about Nashville and some parts of Alabama and some of the other parts of, uh, of, uh, of, of Georgia. Uh, JC, any additional questions to ask David before we let him go? Gosh, I mean, you know, it's such a wealth of information. We could we could probably spend two hours uh, talking with David, but we want to definitely be respectful of his time. And uh, and I think that you know that really what I love about talking with with David uh, at CoStar and, and a lot of these analysts is that uh, Polly, you always talk about talking heads, right? A lot of people have a lot of different opinions on things, uh, but if you want to go to 
the, uh, the big sources of data for apartment investing, you absolutely want to stay in touch with guys like David Kahn. And so speaking of that, David, I know that you, uh, we want to give you a chance to talk about some uh, new uh, video platforms that you guys are doing at CoStar to sort of educate the masses. Uh, why don't you talk a little about and plug uh, the, what your show is up to and what CoStar is up to these days on that, on that front. Absolutely. Thank you. So uh, everyone knows us, CoStar for information, apartments.com, uh, LoopNet as well for listing and, and looking to acquire or uh, sell a property, commercial property, including multifamily. Those are, those are the bread and butter websites that, that we own and we operate. A few of the initiatives that we're working on right now, um, one would be videos. So doing market videos instead of just picking up a, a report and reading it being able to play myself or one of our other market economists or market analysts to talk about that market or sub-market. Um, it, it, it's a little bit of a different touch on things as you guys obviously understand. Um, it's different to, to get in front of someone and, and be able to discuss something in person. So that's something that we're working on. Also CoStar News. So Candace Carlisle, who everyone knows from the Dallas Business Journal, we um, she, we hired her about a year ago. She's producing a lot of news content in Dallas. We have uh, dozens of news reporters who are writing and covering the news, breaking news as well. So that is, is definitely something that you should continue to keep an eye on. And if anyone does have a story, they can send it over to us and we can, we can write it up as well. So we're really focusing on becoming more of a uh, client facing and, and more of a media type, uh, type company as well, rather than just your listings and just your data. We want to be continuing to do it all. If somebody wanted to go check out these videos that you guys are posting, where would they go? Uh, website address, anything like that you can tell people out there? Yeah, right now they're, they're through a paywall in CoStar, but if you are a subscriber, go to the analytics section and click on any of the markets, they should have a video up at this point, and some of the submarkets do as well. So your your top submarkets, like a midtown in Atlanta or an uptown in Dallas, will have a submarket video. Um, of course, check out the other property types as well, because how many times did I mention industrial or office today? It goes hand in hand with demand drivers, and and you should be definitely checking out what we do in in terms of the other property types as well. That's great. Well, uh, Polly, what do you got going on in your neck of the woods? Don't forget the Old Capital Multifamily Conference, October 24th uh, and 25th in Dallas. Come see us. Go to the oldcapitalpodcast.com website and reserve. Remember, this is not a regional conference. This is a national conference. So we'll have six, 700 investors there. I know JC will be there. Maybe David, we can twist his arm to be there. Uh, come and meet your future partners if you're going to get into multifamily syndication. The only way that people come and meet folks and do these type of deals is meet them and get them to know them, like them, and trust them with your money. This is the way you're getting it done. So come to the Old Capital Multifamily Conference at the end of October. We'll see you then. Polly, David, thank you guys so much for joining. Guys, we are signing out. We hope you enjoyed it. Take care. Thank you. <laughs>